Good morning. I'm Allison Michaels with The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, December 27th. James is out, but I'll be here instead with the day's top headlines. Here's three stories that should be on your radar. Number one. When the Latino Community Foundation sent questionnaires to the Democratic presidential candidates asking where they stood on issues such as education, health care, and immigration, the result was hardly what it had anticipated. The result was no response at all. The Post's Sean Sullivan reports that even after the deadline was extended, nine out of 15 candidates, including Biden, did not submit answers. When the League of United Latin American Citizens, the country's oldest Hispanic civil rights group, invited Pete Buttigieg to events in Milwaukee and Des Moines, the South Bend, Indiana mayor declined. When the National Association of Latino Elected and Appointed Officials held a summit this summer, Biden and Senator Cory Booker did not attend. Both passed up a second chance to address the legislators in the fall. Hispanics are increasingly influential in the Democratic Party and in general election contests, but leaders and activists say they feel ignored and misunderstood by candidates who have spent much of their time focusing on Iowa and New Hampshire. Those are predominantly white states at the top of the nominating calendar. They're bluntly calling on party leaders to reconsider the voting order of the states in four years. Last week's Democratic presidential debate in California, which is an important primary state where the population is nearly 40 percent Latino, put an exclamation point on their outrage. Many had hoped it would showcase the rising influence of Hispanics. Instead, the only Hispanic in the race, former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Julian Castro, failed to qualify to be on the stage, and the participating candidates devoted little time to highlighting how their ideas would affect Latino communities. Many fear that Democrats are also squandering a unique opportunity to boost Hispanic voter turnout in the general election. Shifting demographics and a backlash against President Trump's anti-immigrant rhetoric and policies have given Democrats an opening in diversifying battleground states from Arizona to Pennsylvania. But Latino officials fear that a primary contest that often feels far removed from Hispanic communities could blunt excitement for the November election. Some Latino leaders and voters are more confident that anger with Trump will drive turnout in November far more than the course of the Democratic primaries will. Still, even they want to see their party's candidates do more to connect with Hispanic communities. Although Latino leaders are demanding greater attention, Hispanic voters have not rallied around one of their own as a candidate. Castro has failed to crack the top tier even in heavily Latino states like California and Nevada, which shows that his struggles are not limited to the less diverse states whose primaries come before California and Nevada's. Latinos are poised to make a significant general election impact in a few areas, the Sun Belt, the Rust Belt, and parts of the South, including closely contested states that are seen as crucial in 2020. On average, there was a near doubling last year in the number of Latino voters ages 25 to 34 in the following states, Arizona, Colorado, Georgia, New Mexico, North Carolina, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. That's according to an analysis by Univision. And according to a Pew Research Center study, Hispanics are projected to account for more than 13 percent of eligible voters in 2020, surpassing all other ethnic minority groups. After years of voter turnout by Hispanics disappointing Democrats, their participation in the 2018 midterm elections was up 13 percent from 2014, and about 7 in 10 voted for Democratic candidates in the House races. 
There have been bright spots in the primary campaign, though, according to some activists. Many applauded Sanders' outreach to Hispanic communities. His popularity among young voters who are more likely to be non-white than older voters has helped him broaden his reach. And his populist economic pitch is also appealing. Castro received high marks for focusing sharply on issues that matter to Latino voters. But mostly for these activists, there's been much more cause for concern than celebration. Number two. One of the nation's largest school districts will allow students time off to participate in protests. It's a novel policy that proponents argue is the only way to handle a wave of student activism roiling the nation. The Post's Hannah Natanson reports that starting January 27th, Fairfax County Public Schools in Northern Virginia will permit students in 7th through 12th grades one excused absence each school year for what is loosely defined as civic engagement activities. Such activities might include marches, sit-ins, or trips to Richmond to lobby legislators. Fairfax schools, whose approximately 188,000 students, make it among the dozen largest school systems in the U.S. and the biggest one in Virginia. It's probably the first district in the nation to adopt this kind of rule. But there's already been some backlash online from conservative critics who charge the policy is the latest instance of the left coddling its too liberal, too sensitive youth. The controversy shows that the hyperpartisan sniping dominating America's political stage has seeped into the nation's school systems. It was student activism following the 2018 massacre at a Parkland, Florida high school and more recently surrounding climate change that spurred Fairfax County to introduce the proposal. Still, aware of the fraught political moment, administrators crafted the policy to be as neutral as possible. Under the guidelines, students must fill out a form at least two days ahead of their planned absence that explains the reason they plan to miss school. They must obtain permission from a parent or guardian, and they must stop by their school campus at least once on the day of their absence. Number three. Embattled Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu convincingly beat back another political challenge Thursday, winning a clear victory in a primary vote to remain head of the Likud party. The landslide win sends a clear message to Netanyahu's political rivals that he remains highly popular with his base, despite criminal indictments and a failure to twice this year form a government. The Washington Post's Ruth Eglash reports that the Likud primary comes just two months before Israelis return to the ballot box on March 2nd for an unprecedented third general election in less than one year. After two earlier rounds of voting, Netanyahu and his political rival were unable to put together a government, leaving the political system in apparent deadlock with no clear solution. Last month, the attorney general announced his intention to prosecute Netanyahu in three cases centered on bribery, fraud, and breach of trust. The step has added another layer to the political chaos, with many questioning whether a candidate in such a situation can even be permitted to form a government. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, December 27th. Thanks so much for listening. The Daily 202 will take a break for the new year. It will return in 2020 on January 2nd. If you want to get more news about impeachment, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on impeachment in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports updated whenever news happens. Subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts.